0: Recently, someone I respect a lot asked me on LinkedIn, how on earth did you manage to retire at 33? Now, this is a question I get asked a lot. Obviously, my story is, is unique and quite extreme uh, in many aspects. And so people are wondering, like, how is that even possible? Was he rich? What, did he get a massive inheritance? Did he start some in- crazy tech company that got sold for millions? Like, how did you do it, right? And I'm like, I'm a regular guy. (laughs) You know, initially I'm a regular guy. None of the things that I just mentioned there that people are wondering happened to me. It's just super simple. And so I think it's important that I share my story because yes, there are some very unique aspects to it, but none of it is completely insane, like so incredible that no one else can do it, right? That's not at all the case. So it's important for me to share this. In this episode, here's what you're going to learn. I will talk about how I grew up in a a very simple middle class, average middle class family in Belgium with absolutely no knowledge around money or investing, right? I also speak about how I actually, it's actually because I got into debt and made massive mistakes with my money early on that I got on this path to financial independence. I will also talk about how I, I was forced to learn about investing on my own. And I'm going to share how you too can learn about index investing. I will speak about the key elements that allowed me to leave my job at 33 and never have to work for money again if I don't want to. And finally, I will speak about how I actually left my job and what happened next. So I cover my entire journey in this episode. And my goal is for you to, to pick up one or two ideas from my journey that maybe you can implement in your life too. Actually, not maybe. I want you to. T- get take some good ideas and implement them in your life and take action and make progress towards better financial security and financial freedom let's go my name is sebastian aguilar and uh, welcome back to the show today we're going to talk about uh, well i am going to talk about my personal story So this is something that I feel I have to provide because I get asked a lot and I think I want to have one episode where I explain simply my journey so I can point people towards that. Not necessarily as an example or a goal that others should pursue or try to emulate because I am conscious that my personal story is extreme. It's very unique. It's the combination of many different things that made it possible for me to get there at 33. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people who managed to fin- to reach financial independence earlier than me. Uh, but for the vast majority, it's um, it's well, it's impossible. <laughs> so, well, no, it's really not necessarily impossible, but it's hard. And in some cases, impossible. For example, if you started after 33, of course. But so, what I want to say is, don't take my personal story as an example or a goal. I I just want this to be a bit of inspiration, but also an explanation just to clarify certain things that maybe people are wondering about me and my journey. And also, I, I want to make sure you don't look at my story of what I'm going to explain in this episode and, and think about it as, oh, of course, he managed to do that because this, this, and that. Or, oh, well, look at that. Of course, for me, it's not possible because for me, it's like this and like this and like that. I don't think that's the right approach, uh, but I see that a lot when I share you know what I've been able to do so far with other people. Um, I think that the, what I really like is if you could listen to this or watch this, uh, whether you're listening to podcasts or watching this on YouTube, and think about it in the ways that maybe some ideas can help you make progress in your life. and ask yourself the question, huh, okay, so this is how it went for him and this is only one path, right? There's many other ways of doing this. But based on my experience or based on what, what you hear, ask yourself, okay, so how can I how can I use what he shared to make progress in my life, to make some improvements, to maybe to, to be able to, yeah, to make progress. <laughs> uh, one step at a time, one tiny change at a time. That's how we make progress. So, um, all right. So with this out of the way, uh, let's start. So before anything else, I'll give you a bit of a timeline so that you can situate this in in time and it will give you an idea of my progress over time so I started studying in 2003 and I finished my studies of civil engineering in Louvain-la-Neuve in Belgium in 2008 when I was 23 Uh, up to that point in terms of money all I had was uh, a tiny inheritance from my godmother a couple of thousand euros I think and then my savings from from my summer jobs, so I used to do work uh, as a as a um, uh, kids animator for for camp in the summer. But I worked also at Pizza Hut. I worked in some some manufacturing plants packaging plants. So I did all sorts of, of jobs during the summer to earn some money and be able to spend during my studies. And then I worked for almost a year in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Uh, and I saved some money there. and then all of that, I spent it to finance my second master's in the UK, where I went to study sustainable energy technologies because I wanted to move away from construction and into energy and climate change. So I went and and studied there and I paid for it myself with my savings. And um, so I was sort of around zero at, at that point. And then I got an internship to, in the UAE Uh, so after I finished my studies in the UK I got a few months later I got internship in the UAE and I moved to the UAE and that wasn't a very well-paid internship but my goal was to move there uh, for several reasons one of them being the fact that there was this massive project in the UAE where they were building a zero emission zero carbon city and I wanted to be part of something like that I wanted to be involved in like a very ambitious project at you know in in the sustainable in in the world of sustainability so I got I got an internship and I, I I I worked there for 5 months and I managed to save some money and and then I will tell you about this later. I made some mistakes. Basically I was at zero when I started then my following job which started in August 2011 when I was 26. Uh, zero money on my bank account actually negative we'll get into that. And then 7 years later bit less than that in December 2017 I reached financial independence so technically uh, when I was 32 and then I quit my job when I was 33 so that's uh, end of July 2018 right so this is a general timeline that like this you can uh, sort of situate you know maybe not the the date is maybe not the most important but maybe my age can help you position this somewhere anyway but really like the biggest thing is that At 33, I stopped working and I never have to work for money again. And to me, this is the best life hack ever, (laughs) basically, because I've been able to reclaim 32 years of my time. So I've gained 32 years of life back. That before that, I didn't know it was even possible to conceive a life where I don't have to work until i'm 65 or 67 so these are these are like years and time like a freedom time where i can choose to do what i want without money being the main factor that i didn't have before right so it's really it's it's an it's an insane like change in how my life is structured right from being sort of a feeling like i have to go to work and earn money to pay for my bills from not having to do that that is just an insane transformation and it it takes time to to sink to it to to like to really to acknowledge it and to feel the power that that means or the the, the impact you can have on someone's life it's i think it's hard to imagine before we get there but as you get closer when you do you can you can feel the potential even more And uh, maybe my story will you know we Will help you visualize this a bit. I didn't plan on speaking about my life after financial independence today. That might be for an upcoming episode, but I'm certainly gonna share my, my journey so that you see how I get there, how I got there. So yes, I, I got 30 more 32 more years of life that didn't exist in my conception of life before. 32 additional years of life to be present for my family. 32 more years of life to be able to learn, explore, think and, and, and plan things differently than if I had to work. 32 more years of life to be f- there for the people I love. My kids, my wife, my parents, my friends, my siblings. 32 more years of life to be able to, to think about how I can contribute to society and have a positive impact. Because in the end, this is that's what's That's driven me during my career, and that's still what drives me today. Obviously, I always have to balance personal life needs and what I can do for the rest of the world in a way. But, But basically, the fact that I'm free from the compulsory need to work gives me time to think about how I can make the biggest contribution with the time and resources I have available. And right now, that is doing this podcast. (laughs) I've explored many things. We can talk about this in a different episode. But right now, doing this podcast, helping this community is uh, how I'm having an impact. So, now, something you have to know is that at the beginning, I didn't have this goal at all. Like, I didn't, I wasn't born saying, hey, (laughs) I'm going to try to earn money, save, invest, and retire as soon as possible. I didn't even know that when I started working, right? It's really something that came along. And Maybe we start from the beginning in terms of like money and what the role of money was in my upbringing. So when I was a kid, I was raised in a middle-class family in Belgium. Uh, I would say quite normal. But I was really blessed with having a really nice family environment with loving parents, siblings that just, you know, of course fight. But it's just generally a very healthy environment to grow up in. So I I do realize I was I've been blessed with that. It gave me opportunities in the sense that I've been able to 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 be the best that I can. And my environment helped me like grow and and be the person I am today. And I'm super grateful. Right. This is mostly thanks to my parents and the fact that we've been able to live in in a peaceful country uh, with lots of great services, making great friends and having good childhood and teenage years and education and all that. Now, that's a blessing. At the same time, money was not at all a topic of discussion. And what, one reason that is the case is because we didn't necessarily struggle massively with money. We had issues. You know? My parents, they, they had issues at the beginning. And it took them some time to find stability financially when both my parents became teachers with salaries and some sort of job security to be able to handle a family of six, so four kids. So it took it took them some time, and I would say that at the beginning, yes, there were some financial struggles and but it's, it was never like we we were really lacking anything major, right? They were able to manage things in a way that it didn't really impact us as kids. And so I've, I've grown up in in an environment where, Money didn't affect me, right? I, I did realize that, yes, saving was a good thing. And uh, I guess I was taught to save. And having some savings was giving me some sense of security, right? Having some money on my savings account that was put there by my parents, and my grandmother, and some other people, I guess. it was a small saving account, nothing major. But I guess that that feeling of security is something that I have experienced already at that point, I would say. I also realized the power of earning when I was in high in, in university. When I started giving classes, math, I was teaching math as a, as a private tutor, and I guess that's the first big experience of earning a lot of money in a short period of time. <laughs> in the sense that I, I managed to work like like teaching math at the time for twenty euros an hour for five six hours in a row, and making hundred euros <laughs> in a day. I was like. You know very big uh, but i would say this is this this was my first experience with money is having a bit of um pocket money either coming from my parents but very little and then earning my own using my own skills teaching mathematics that was was great engineering in general i also worked uh, you know jobs during my summer summer holidays as a as a scout as a, not as a boy scout but that was my experience. I was a boy scout leader, but as, as uh, in, in summer camps for kids and helping them having a good time. So, and, and then other odd jobs, like I mentioned earlier. But basically, I didn't know anything about money aside from those very basic experiences that I feel most people at that age do have an experience. So, it's not like I had any specific advantage at that level. And yeah, I didn't know anything about money. And when you study engineering, you don't really learn about money. Sometimes you have one or two economic classes, but they're very basic. They were actually quite useful, <laughs> so I was quite happy that I had just this one, like one hour a week for one trimester type level, uh, and that just that helped a little bit at the very beginning when I when I started to take control of my finances. So nothing major during my my teenage years or my education, and actually. When I moved to the UAE and I had my first, my first internship there and I was able to save some money, I make my biggest and stupidest money mistake <laughs> of my life. For whatever reason, I converted the money I earned there into euros when I was there in Dubai, uh, Sharjah, actually. I wasn't working in Dubai, I was working in work at Sharjah, which is a neighbor, neighboring city, and I converted that into euro and I brought it back with me in my pockets uh, on the plane. <laughs> my idea was I'm going to put it on the bank account here I'm gonna uh, and I'm going to have some savings here in Belgium. And by the time I got to Belgium and I was home, I got home, it just wasn't in my pocket anymore. And so I don't know where on the way it got lost, uh, but it must have fallen off from my pocket when I was doing something with, with my wallet or my passport, I don't know. But I've lost the whole 620 or 630 euros or something uh, that I had saved during that I managed to save during this internship. And that hurt. That was like the biggest financial pain. Although the amount was, you know, it's not a big amount in today's terms, but back then that was all my savings and it was all as I had left and it was what I was planning on you know using I had to use some of that to survive for a few months until my next job was actually going to start so uh, that was that was like a proper financial pain I, I did feel another main pain like a big pain around personal finances a bit later but that one was the first one and it put me in a situation where I was basically broke I had no more savings. I couldn't pay for accommodation. So I arranged to sleep at a friend's place uh, uh, in exchange for helping him with shopping and cooking. <laughs> uh, and I had to borrow money from my little brother. Like Obviously, I was an expat, so there was no social security or, or any, any other services to support me. I had to find my own ways. And so I had to go back to my little brother. And say, hey, can you lend me some money just so that I can bridge the gap between now and when I get paid? Uh, at the end of the month of my first job. So that was like, you know, a month, again, another a month later. And so that was a bit of a humbling experience having to go back to my brother because, you know, I was the big brother that had made it as, you know, engineer, this and that, traveling the world, going to work in Dubai. Uh, supposedly, you know, good paid job and all this. Not really, not at first. and. I had to go back and be like hey do you mind like and you know i'll pay you back as soon as i get paid for my for my as soon as i have the money from my my job but yeah that was kind of a humbling time uh and also a realization that money was super important right so that's when i, I basically I put whatever all, all the numbers i had of my personal finances in, in a spreadsheet and try to figure out how, how much am I spending because I need to borrow enough to be able to cover my expenses and then how much am i going to earn and how much am I going to have left at the end of the first month after having spent whatever so that they can then pay back my brother right so yeah I'm an engineer so I guess spreadsheets is something I'm using for work I just started applying my professional skill set so my just some of my number crunching skills very simple ones right (laughs) most people can't figure this out but i use that for my personal life which is um something i had not really done before and so that's how i managed to pay back my brother and that's that's how i had my first little budget spreadsheet right i was forced to do it like before that i wouldn't really think of doing that because i didn't really need to i would just check my bank balance and be like okay i've got some money am i earning this month yes all right i guess I'll save a little. This was all my brain was thinking about in terms of putting money aside when I was doing through my previous jobs and uh during my internship. I did have to do some planning for my studies to make sure I had, I had enough there. But otherwise, I didn't have something that I, you know, that I would track on a regular basis. So that's how it all started, really. Like I was forced. And it was very simple, right? A simple, simple spreadsheet, something you can replicate. So basically, it's one it's one line per month, right? So first month for me was August 2011. And then the next month in September 2011, I updated all the numbers. Uh, and I saw then simply the progress, right? So that's something you can do and replicate. And that's how I started. Super simple. And then I realized something else. I didn't have any pension. So once I started tracking and I was putting money aside and my job was going okay, I, was, I, was, I realized that I didn't have any social security, so no unemployment payments when I was between jobs, and then no pension. So I had to find a way to, to prepare for my job. And the Belgian system provided options for expats, which I started doing a little bit, uh, but quickly I realized it was not very good. The returns, the expected pension for the amount of contribution was not an interesting deal and it got even worse later so at some point i stopped in the meantime i did a lot of research to see how people expats were preparing for their pensions right and that's when i did my second biggest mistake the second time i really like it really hurt me. <laughs> I didn't realize at first, but it really hurt me and totally cost me 12,000 euros. So the first mistake was like really silly, stupid stuff. 620, 630 euros at the time, which was everything I owned. And The second one was 12,000 euros a few years later. And that came because I was looking for advice on how to prepare for my pension. And you know, I, I see myself as a responsible person and I did the responsible thing which is, hey, I'm going to plan for my future, which most people my age around me there weren't really thinking about because it was, you know, party, cars, and, and everything else that comes with expat life and, and some money. But I did my research. I interviewed. I spoke to a bunch of financial advisors, to bankers, to my HR, and I asked for, like, what, what did, how do we do this? And, and the advice was always the same. Get a long-term savings plan. So I ended up going for that. Actually, it's it's a bit similar here in Belgium, right? Here in Belgium, when you when you think about your pension, you do all the things for the pension. So you go through the system, you go pillar one, two, three. You look at the different options, you speak to your banker, and and then you go with what's recommended. And most of the time, what's offered uh, in pillar two and three will be products that are designed and managed by those financial institutions that make money out of that. And when you get recommendations by specific people, typically you don't pay for their advice directly by the hour. They get paid from the commission they make by selling you the product, which means that they'll, they are incentivized to sell you what makes them the most money. And this is basically similar system there, just over there, there's just much less regulations, especially in terms of what fees they can uh, they can charge, and so the fees were extremely high, and everything was hidden. So there's no transparency. It's very hard to figure out how much we're actually paying in fees. Took me a while. I figured it out. It hurts. <laughs> so I did a lot of research, and I and then I realized that what I had signed up for was a very expensive uh, unit-linked uh, insurance plan, right? So as I said, high hidden fees uh, presented by everyone as the norm. In the industry, right? This is the way everybody does it. This is what everyone sells. And obviously, that's good for the financial industry because they're all making great money from this, (laughs) from expats who don't know better, right? And then the money gets, you start investing, you commit for a certain period of time, typically 10 to 25 years. And when you put the money in, it gets locked in, right? With high fees. That's perfect for them. And it's pretty bad for you uh, or for me at that point. And if you ever want to take your money out, then massive withdrawal fees which is built in already in the system and basically from the moment you sign they already are charging almost the entirety of the fees that they will expect to get for the entire plan and if you want to leave early you basically have to pay the entire tier of the fees that you would have if, that you would have paid if you had stayed in the plan until the end so it's, it's a terrible product it's still being sold it hurts thousands of people and expats around the world it's a shame it's a shame it hurts but, but that led to the creation of Simplify. One of the reasons Simplify, which is this community that I've started in the Middle East alongside a few other people, Simplify was born out of the frustration around people being trapped in those plans and not knowing that there's an alternative. So we started teaching the alternative, right? This is also why I got into all this is because people were, I got hurt massively by the saving plan. I was never told that there was an alternative that was simple and effective, index investing. and I wanted to fix that. So that's from, that, this is when I started speaking about personal finance, <laughs> just sharing this simple information that I had figured out for myself with others, like how painful these plans are, how, how bad they are for the saver and investor, and how there is an actual alternative that's very simple to implement. It's just that nobody tells us about it. So anyway, it started from there. So massive personal pain and then seeing everyone around me in the same plans, right? So my colleagues had those plans. My managers had those plans. Some of them so deep into the relationship with the financial advisors that they would never even want to consider what I was saying. So it's really, it's it's a really tricky environment, no? It's very like, they're high commission. This is how these people make money. They obviously are, it's very hard for them to even consider that this could be harmful. They're convinced that they're doing a good job helping other people. So anyway, the whole industry there. I can, I'm, I'm digressing here. It's certainly a good topic for a future episode. Uh, for those, for the listeners who are listening from, the Middle East, for example, or other expat locations. But um, having said that, in Belgium is not as bad because there are regulations, so the fees are lower. But still, it's there's still a similar system, and there's still a massive difference between. The, the performance and the returns that the investor gets from uh, investment plans and pension plans that are offered by those institutions and what you would get as an index investor. Anyway, so that that remains the same. Massive difference, uh, you know, it can translate into hundreds of thousands of euros for an average Belgian person. so. I've already spoken about index investing, but basically that happened in June 2012. And I know that I discovered index investing in June 2012, or maybe a bit before, because my first emails around the topic to my financial advisor and to and to myself include links to index investing resources uh, in June 2012. And I was just discovering that having already started this investment plan, right, where I was already contributing a certain amount every month. So I discovered index investing, I started learning about it, but most of the stuff that I was reading about was, well, how to invest in index funds in the US, right? So Vanguard for 1K plans and all the things from there. And there was no information for investors from outside, very little, very hard to find. So I, I, it took me a while to figure things out, to realize that there is a way that instead of actually signing up for a mutual fund at Vanguard, for example, opening an account there, you'd have to go through a broker and then find ETFs and then figure out the taxes and the, the domicile of the ETF, the type of ETF, um, stocks and bonds. I said okay It took me a while to figure all this stuff up. Um, and I started investing in September 2013. So it took me more than a year from the time, two years since I started thinking about pension, for sure. Uh, and more than a year since the time, I realized index investing was a thing, right? And, and again, like back then, no one was doing that around me. So it, was, it felt like I, was, I felt a bit like I was going against against the flow of like all the financial advice I was getting from professionals and figuring things out for myself. On my own, I was a bit lonely. So <laughs> one of the other reasons I started... The community of Simplify and start speaking about this with friends is because I wanted to find people who were thinking like me. And I did, right? I managed to find a few people who were also on board with index investing and had started index investing. And so we started a small group. We would meet once in a while just to discuss. And at the same time, in parallel, I was giving presentations uh, to my colleagues and at home to my friends just to explain the basic principles and the fact that we can do something about this, right? Coming back to to this savings plan. despite learning about index investing, as I learned about index investing, I realized how bad this saving plan was because now I could compare with something that was kind of a benchmark, right. And both are investing in the stock market, and both are supposed to give you the returns of the stock market. The one was riddled with fees and it was you know was the funds were put into all sorts of active funds and all sorts of industries and sectors that we didn't need to have this sort of allocation. And the other one was just simply broad market, like buy the entire thing, buy and hold low costs, optimize for tax and all this. Perfect. So I could see the difference. (laughs) It was really hard to stop the savings plan because there was this massive withdrawal fee penalty. And what I did instead at first is I optimized within the saving plan and move everything into index funds, whatever they had available. Actually, they had a couple still expensive 0.6%. It was way better than anything else that was available still expensive and that was you know just the fund cost but there were management costs and a bunch of other things on top administration so it was just the whole thing was just expensive for no reason and i had optimized it to the max within the plan so i left it there for a while i was hoping okay you know i oh you know I'll, how do you say this i think i can survive and i'll hold down all the way to the end and it will be okay uh, but that's Gradually, as I was doing that work, I realized, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait until it's finished. I was exploring ways, like maybe I stop contributing, but then I realized if I stop contributing, I'm still paying all the fees as if I was gonna be investing for the entire ten years. And so I, I came to the conclusion that I had to stop. So stop and close the plan and take the hit, right? Take the loss. And I did that, and I lost twelve thousand euros. That was twenty five percent of my investments. Very painful, right? But it was also a game changer because I freed myself from this thing. I found a way to start investing on my own, so I didn't start in September 2013, and that was life changing—a completely, a complete game changer. All of a sudden, I was in control of my finances. I understood how simple personal finance works, how the stock market can help me. I started doing some little forecasts of what that could look like. And I was trying to save for my retirement. Right Back then, I wasn't saying, hey, I'm going to quit working at 33. I had no idea. (laughs) I had no clue about that stuff. I was like, yeah, okay. Early retirement is a thing that some people do, but for me, no way. I was just trying to save for, six, well, for when I'm 65. So I was looking at how much I need to invest so I have enough when I've reached 65 years old. And I was like, oh, I want to have two, 3,000 euro per month uh, you know, from 65 to like 95 or something. That was my, my initial plan. And then as I was saving and investing and I was saving a bit more, first I started spending that money. So you know, I bought a nice car and I moved to a nice studio and all of that. But then I realized, hey, wait a minute. If I save a bit more and invest a bit more, I can retire earlier that's around the time i discovered financial independence now i could retire earlier and all right so maybe i'll aim for 60 and then i was improving a few things oh now maybe i can make it for 55 and then 50 right so gradually it wasn't like every every time i thought about it it would improve by five years but six months later i would look at it and do the number project and be like huh hmm, so if i earn a bit more i can actually make it at 45 And 45 was my plan for a while, until things started even getting better and better. And so gradually, went from 45 into 40, into 38, to 35, and then at 31, I was like, oh my god, I can do it probably before I'm 35. And I managed. We managed by 33, right? So it's really, but there's been a bunch of things that helped me get there, right? So let's talk about that. At work, I was simply driven by impact. I just, you know, when I got my last job with the NVGL. I was I was just keen on working on large-scale energy efficiency projects that would basically reduce carbon emissions, you know, in the entire country or the region. That's what I was going for. That's what i I was asking my employer to give me as projects, and that's what they wanted me to do. So it was a really good match. Uh, but I was really driven by like how I could make a real big difference at that level. And so from the get-go, I was, hired as a consultant and i was put on one of the biggest projects in the region uh in saudi arabia for the government massive massive study on energy and water conservation and i ended up leading that thing for five years right then it became like there was phase one phase two we expanded we took water it's like but it's what i'm what i'm going is my focus to have an impact led me to be in a position at work where I was delivering so much value and I was in such high demand by the clients, by the colleagues, by the team, that my value rose up massively. And I got rewarded for it. Right. So my value, because I was delivering delivering value, right? I was able to handle the toughest clients that most other consultants wouldn't be able to deal with. <laughs> I was managing the biggest team in the region, 20 plus engineers and consultants, the biggest budget in the biggest country the biggest new markets that we had ever seen like in that region right middle east. And so yeah with that came promotions and raises and basically one per year. So a lot of my story is also tied to the fact that at work I like to put it simply I was just I was super effective, right? And I was just providing massive value and I was really focused on how can I make the biggest impact, right? Both for the company, the clients, and just generally. And that led to, to that, right? So it was sort of, I was rewarded for that. And I think if you're in the right sector, that's something that's possible. In the other sectors, that's not the case. Uh, but in this sector, it was the case. So uh, in a sense, it's a coincidence. I was lucky that was the case. I was in the right place, in the right market, with the right team, honestly, the right manager. Like that made a massive difference. Someone who could trust me. I was young, right? I was 20-something. And I was given some of the biggest projects in the region, both for the sales side, but also for the management of it. So yes, my salary rose, right? And I think that played a massive role in like me being able to reach financial independence at 33. So I'm not going to hide it. Not, not, nothing to hide. <laughs> yes, some things to hide. <laughs> I'm not gonna show. I'm not gonna share everything super private. But yes, so when you move from a country like Belgium to the country like the UAE, and you're a professional, at first you probably have certainly you have a raise compared to here. But after a while, you can expect something like uh, tax-free salary. So the same thing an employer would pay here, you would get there, but almost tax-free. Right? There's a few things you have to pay. The life is cost more. But overall, uh, you can if you deal with things properly, you can save more. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, you can save more. <laughs> you can save more, but most people spend more too, right? So, yes, a big part of my journey is the fact that I managed to earn more, but there were tons of people earning far more than me that are still there grinding and not seeing the end of it, right? So, it's not only about earning money, it's also about being able to use it effectively. Right, so yes, simple. Well, not simple. I managed to simplify my lifestyle, reduce costs by focusing on what I really valued, and realize that okay, actually, what I like is spending time with my family. No, sorry, yes, my family—that's true. With my with friends, uh, with my girlfriend who became wife later, and these are the things that I really value, and those things don't really cost very much, right? But these are the good times. This is when I'm happy. So I moved away from my studio and I moved into a shared house with my friends at first and my girlfriend uh, joined later. It was not too far from the beach. That didn't cost anything. It was in a residential area that's not exactly the expat area. So it was a bit cheaper, but nice, and simple. I got rid of my car, which was fairly expensive. And, you know, it had some, some things that cost me in terms of maintenance that were really annoying. I got rid of that car. Uh, which was a nice car, right? It was a consultant car in the sense that, you know, it's a nice car to drive. It's nice to ride somewhere and have this car. It's nice to drive with that car on the highway, with the music. All of that is nice. As a, you know, as a young man, I was like enjoying it. But I also enjoyed the other side of things, with these, which is taking public transport. I actually enjoy it because I can be with myself. Like this is a time of peace where I'm just with myself. I do a podcast or I'm learning something or reading a book. And I really enjoyed that too. And it didn't take much longer. It took a bit longer, I had to wake up a bit earlier, which is probably the hardest part of all this, <laughs> but I could still make it on time to work. I've spent, you know, half hour, 45 minutes of quality time learning something interesting or spending time with myself or reading something, you know, entertaining. So I swapped that and it went well. So I was, I was, I was carpooling with my wife. She had a very small, <laughs> super effective, highly efficient, low maintenance car. And we both fit in it, right? And we went on trips with it. It didn't cost us much at all. It was super efficient. So we did optimize on many things, right? Accommodation, expenses, car. You know, I learned to cook, but that was later. We still went out a lot, but we would be smart with the way we go out, right? Deals, discounts, parties at home, uh, parties at the beach, you know, things that don't cost as much as what honestly everything else costs pretty expensive. It's very expensive in the Middle East. You go out, you could easily spend a few hundred euros on a normal day, right? Just to give you an idea, (laughs) for those of you who have no idea, a beer in the Middle East back then was already between 15 and 20 euros, one beer, right? Uh, So going out is insane. So yeah, you find creative ways of having fun without having to spend that all that much money. And as you can imagine, the stuff that costs you know, there's no limit as uh, like the highest price of stuff there for whatever it is—parties, hotels, cars, houses. This is obviously, it's insane. But if if you're smart and if you know your values and know what you really want in life, and you value freedom and security, then you know that your money can play a massive role there, which is what I had. Right, I had this mindset that okay, I'm building something here. I'm fighting for my own security, my own freedom, and. I'm valuing that more than the fancy stuff that everyone is showing off with, right? And it made me happy, right? I had, I had this amazing project, amazing plan, like the best life hack ever. And I was working on it. It was insanely good to be able to do that and realize how everyone else was just falling victim to the temptation of having more stuff and fancy things. And yes, nice stuff, right? And like, to be honest, when you work so hard and you live in such conditions, when you earn some money, you want to spend it because you want, you say, well, you know, you deserve it. And yes, you do, you do. So that temptation is there and it's normal. But what people don't know is that they also deserve security and freedom because they don't know that they can build it. And I knew that. So, yes, I deserved I deserved the money I was earning and I was using it in a way that was giving me what I wanted more, which is security, freedom, autonomy, time, my friends my wife my family my kids now so yeah the the mindset of going through financial independence and pursuing it is so important it's so important so anyway i had that and i had that not only because i had read and i was interested but because i had started building this community around that right sharing this information organizing meetups giving presentations to hundreds And hundreds of people, like we had events of five to eight hundred people with guests like Andrew Hallam, which I mentioned earlier, who's someone who's just been like leading the fight against the abuse of financial industry in the Middle East and helping people realize that yes, they can do this. So it was we were really basically we allies. No, and you will hear about him on this podcast in the future for sure. But so yeah, huge events, and we start raising awareness in newspaper, and so like. It was recognized as something real. And so that reinforced my, you know, my conviction that this is the right way and that we had figured something out that most people also wanted, just didn't know it was even an option, (laughs) which again leads to why I'm doing this podcast and everything else I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the the reason I got to where I am is a combination of those things, increased, increased earnings through, you know, maximizing value and impact. Managing expenses, having the mindset to, to know that what we're working towards something amazing. And yeah, these are a big part of that. Now, at work, I, I actually was selected for the succession of the regional manager, my manager, basically, uh, although I was one of the youngest there. And so I was told that uh, they were going to train me to bring me to that position so that I can take over if anything happens or whenever he leaves or if if he gets promoted and all that. And so they started relying more and more on me and my ability to be there and lead and organize and and support the management and do all that. And, And I felt like I couldn't let them build things too much on me. Right. So I told them a year in advance that I was planning on leaving. I wasn't sure exactly of the exact date, but I was saying, hey, I'm gonna be stopped, I will stop working in a year or so. And they heard me, I think, you know, they they heard me, yeah. But it's funny because I was I was so comfortable and confident in my plan and in my ability to be employed, even though I was planning on leaving. That i was i just went and told them and I, you know they, they thanked me for it later because yes they adjusted a few their plans they, they thought of different ways of dealing with things and so that, that worked quite well okay i'm back <laughs> for those of you on youtube you must be wondering like why did you just go and change <laughs> no actually i didn't change uh, i was recording uh, this episode and then my laptop battery died and i didn't have my charger here and uh, I wasn't able to come back and continue recording so now we are four days later (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, so yes I'm dressed differently probably have a bit of a longer beard but whatever those of you on, on the podcast you'll be wondering you know what's going on but basically that's what's going on you don't see the difference but it's a different day and I'm continuing the recording of the same episode and I hope that's okay with you all right so yeah as I was saying I'm just learning about this podcasting thing and this is a very rookie mistake and it's done I think I'm not going to make it anymore. (laughs) All right. So where was I? Yes. I was saying that at work, I had informed my employer that I was going to leave about a year later or something like this, but I was planning on leaving at some point. And uh, so they were planning things a bit differently around that. And they were fairly grateful for that. And something that's quite interesting is that I, I still got, I still got a raise despite, everyone knowing I was leaving I got a raise and so in the last few months of my of my career I was making even more money and so yeah I mean it was just bonus for me and I think it was just a way for my employer to thank me and something that's quite interesting regarding raises by the way and that I I find funny is because I've lived that and maybe you are going through that as well now that you are part of the fire movement now that you're building financial independence especially if you're planning on leaving your job Like typically raises are provided to thank someone for their work. In some cases, they're provided to keep someone in the company, right? As an employee. I think that's what drove a a few of the raises I got is they didn't want me to go somewhere else. And and so it would be harder for me to find something that's competitive somewhere else, (laughs) basically. But what was interesting is that they were giving me raises for me to stay. And in my head, every time I was getting a raise, I was basically getting closer to financial independence because I was earning more, and most of whatever I was getting extra, I would save and invest. And so I would hit normally my, my, my financial independence target earlier. And so every time they were giving me money, I, in my head, I'd be telling myself, Hi, so you're giving me so that I can, I can stay longer, I will stay longer, I wouldn't move away. But actually, every time you give me a raise, uh, it enables me to leave earlier. So it was kind of a funny little thing that was uh yeah when when we are, when we pursue financial independence like this when we part when when you're part now that you're part of the movement we there's a few things that work for most other people and because we have a different way of looking at things of looking at money and looking at life it just doesn't work the same way for us and so this is one example there will be other examples will you know i'm sure we'll come across them in the podcast but this is a funny one so so I, I left, I gave my resignation letter on the 1st of May, 2018, which was my birthday. So it was sort of a self-birthday gift. <laughs> the very best self-birthday gift I have ever given myself is the ability to quit and then to say goodbye and to have the option to basically either work or not work. And I decided not to for a while, for sure. Technically, I, me and my wife, we reached financial independence in December 2017, so from a numbers perspective. So for those of you who are not familiar, and this is probably a good topic for a full episode, we have planned our financial independence based on a variation of the 4% rule of thumb. We call it the rule of thumb because it's it's an estimation. But basically, we used the variation of that that was adapted to our own circumstances to basically determine how much we have We need to have invested in the stock market uh, so that we can withdraw from it without our portfolio ever running out of money, even in the worst stock market crashes uh, using historical data, basically running worst case scenario type thing. And, And so that's how we planned ours. And we got to our number December 2017. Now with financial independence, especially if you're planning on actually stopping work and the regular employment, There's always this tendency to be like, hey, I I will work a bit more, so I have cushion and i have a bit bit of buffer. And we certainly, you know, we certainly had that uh, experience, me and my wife, and especially my wife, I would say she is more conservative, more risk averse, she wants more safety. And I completely understand why, and I actually agree with her. I think now in hindsight, I'm happy we did a bit more it gives us more, just more comfort. We're not as stressed uh, as if we were on a budget, super tight or anything like that. We have much more flexibility. It's really quite relaxed. So it was worth, you know, going a bit further than what was needed. Now, the danger is that you always want to go and get more, right? And basically you stay at your job because you just want to keep accumulating. But to me, there was a point where, actually already in December 2017, I was like, I want to quit, I want to (laughs) quit. I want to do, there's so many other things I wanted to do in life. And I just couldn't do it because I was in my in my employment, which was you know very demanding in terms of time commitment. It was very long weeks, 50, 60 hours. They were normal weeks, basically, were 50 to 60 hours a week. Sometimes work on weekends, depending on the clients and how demanding they were. But that's almost normal as an international consultant. But basically, there was there there was a point where despite being really, really highly paid, the amount of money I was making and saving from each of these months, which is significant, honestly, it's significant because at that point I had, you know, had optimized a lot and I was was making good money. That wasn't like my time, my free time was worth more than that. My free time was worth more than like a pretty good salary over that period of time. And so it just it just was natural for me to move away uh giving up like a really good good salary good savings uh, you know a very good employer but also moving away from a very stressful job (laughs) in a way uh i was i was happy to be able to disconnect and not have to worry about client and projects and all that that was the biggest relief for sure like 100 percent it's uh like There was so much weight that just fell off my shoulder from one day to the next. Well, it was gradual because I knew I was getting there, but I was still responsible for a lot of stuff and was doing a lot of work and I was still being sent on sort of rescue missions where things were going wrong and I was kind of the guy that was sent to fix stuff. Um, but I did that until the last day, but I was a lot more relaxed, obviously. And then, of course, on 1st of August, which was my first day of financial independence, retired, like the retired part of financial independence, Yeah, all of that weight just fell off my shoulders and it was just so freeing. It's an amazing feeling. And I think, you know, I have experienced things like that a little bit when, you know, when you move from one job to the next, you have that feeling where you just leave all the stresses and problems and the history of all the things that have built up over time of the past job, you just leave all of that behind and start fresh somewhere new. It's a bit like that, but it's obviously more because there's nothing, you know, it's not going to build back up. You don't have another place where those issues might start packing again. I don't know. At least I had that feeling between jobs as well, a little bit of really massive happiness of being able to move away from something that I wanted to move away into something that I was expecting to enjoy more, but also leaving all of the baggage of issues or other things that, behind that behind right so that was really really interesting and in the end financial freedom is really pursuing this you know sensation of freedom and its capacity of this capacity of making choices according to what works best for us no and i really felt that at that point i had that like this immense this incredible power to just decide what to do with my time like I wake up and I'm like, okay, what can I do today? I can do anything. <laughs> it's insane. It's completely insane. It's really hard to describe. It's extremely hard to describe. And I think one way I can help you feel how that could be is, uh, you know, how you go to bed on on a Sunday night. The next day, it's Monday. It's not exactly the nicest feeling. At least I felt sometimes. Oh, it's Sunday night already tomorrow I have to go to work and there were times where I enjoyed going to work but still I didn't really want to go for whatever reason but then sometimes you have that feeling and then you realize oh no it's only Saturday night tomorrow is Sunday and oh by the way Monday is, is a day off right or whatever <laughs> so it's like it's a good surprise that the next day you don't have to actually go or maybe for the next couple of days well that's how it feels kind of all the time it's just uh, oh I actually don't have to go to work Uh, oh, it's fine, like I have an extra free day, but it feels like it's like that, but with days and weeks and months and years, I guess that's how I would describe it best, at least during that period of time where you just stop working and you move into that space where you don't actually have to go. It kind of changes over time because you get used to it in a way, but I never have that feeling of going to sleep and then like, having some negative anticipation for the next day that's just gone Uh, which i used to have at times at work especially during stressful times difficult projects or you know some kind of challenges so yeah that's that's a major change like all the stress is gone i'm so blessed with this it's just incredible we can live like this me and my wife we are just incredibly lucky that we can live this today and like I just want to share this because it's it's so powerful. It's so good. Like in, for my own personal well-being, it's just been such an insane change. It's just incredible. And I want you to experience this too. Like, like that. That's why. That's what drives me here. Like, i I want to help you get to this position where you have that choice, where you have that freedom, where you have that relief if that's what you're looking for it's just it's just really incredible And and yes for some of you might be far away but for some of you might be just a few years ahead or a few months ahead depending on where you're on your journey and and yeah when you have when a journey is far when it's a long journey and the goal is far away and your goal is actually to quit you don't have to quit and if it's far away then don't focus too much on that enjoy the journey a hundred percent When it's closer i think then you know seeing the end of it is also nice right so here for me it's complicated because i'm i want to speak to you if you're beginners but uh, like part of someone someone who's just discovering financial independence it's really what i'm trying to do with these first few episodes is just give you know this understanding of what it is like but at the same time i don't want people to chase financial independence to the extreme, just because they want to be in this place and be miserable on the way—that's not what I want. So it's tricky, right? I'm, I'm I'm still sharing because I I think it's worth for everyone to know how it feels. But manage your, please manage your own way of doing this and your own well-being, and don't, don't focus on getting to this because it's not going to solve everything. It only solves the work part of the thing. Everything else in life is still to do. And I think it works. It worked well for me because I'm extremely driven to do other things than work for money. I'm I'm massively driven by impact, by trying to help people. Doing this, but also we'll talk about you know other topics on the podcast, uh, effective altruism, and other and other aspects of of philanthropy and and charity. And so, yeah, I, you know, for me it works, right? But not everybody is comfortable actually stopping work without having something else planned afterwards that gives a meaning and i think that's really important and i didn't have something right away when i stopped working i didn't have like this is the thing i'm going to do right away but i had a very good idea of what i was going to explore which is effective altruism we'll talk about this in a different different episode what happened basically after i quit how i live my life you know i'll tell you more about this feeling of freedom if you want but also my quest for meaning and purpose and impact and how I ended up where I am today doing this, uh, which was not my first choice. Doing Fire Belgium was not my first choice. But I'll explain all of that in another episode. All right. So I stopped on 1st of August. My wife actually continued a few moments. She wanted to wrap up a few things at work. Uh, she didn't have the same drive as me as to get out and do something new. And she, was, she wasn't eager to start some new projects like I was or was really... I wanted to stop work because I wanted my time to do some other things really important to me. And she was happy just continuing that. And it also happened that we were, well, she was pregnant (laughs) with our first son. And so she stopped working in December 2018. And three months later, our first son was born. So it was perfect timing for us as parents to be able to you know, being there for the pregnancy, also for the for the birth, 100%, and then a few first weeks, a few first months, a few first years with our kids. And that's been, you know, that's been the core focus of our lives since uh, our first son was born, and we have a second son that came two years later, and, and they you know, amazing little boys and we, we just love spending time with them and we are there for them every step of the way, every time something new, something difficult or something exciting happens, we are there and we share these moments, unique moments with them. And so once again, as I said, I know we're so blessed about this. Like we're so incredibly lucky that all of this has come together for us to be able to live like this, no? And I'm saying we're, we're blessed because yes, we've, we've worked hard no we've been smart with a bunch of things and we've thought through stuff in advance that most people don't think about we've done research and explored areas that most people don't even dare going and try so there's yes we've done a lot of work but there's also a bunch of things that have happened to us that allowed us to be in that position and that have given like put us on this path right and so like i recognize that it's it's a lot of Good things that have happened to me during my childhood, my teenage years, my studies—you know—it's coming from my parents, my environment, my employers, my 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 coworkers. It's all of these good influences that have enabled me to be where I am today, right? So, yeah, I'm thankful, right? I'm thankful, and I by no means believe that this is all thanks to my hard work only and my me being super smart. That's not the case. That's not how it works. It's really a lot of a lot of things that have played a role in this a lot of coincidences a lot of you know good things happening right positive nudges i would say and external factors that have simply influenced our lives in this direction and allowed us to do this and i do realize that's not the case for everybody so you know like i'm I'm certainly not saying because we've done it everybody can do it that's not how it works to me it's like the key is we've been able to do the like to, to do the best we could the situation we were in and i think everyone tries to do that and all that's missing sometimes is that bit of information that little extra idea this new path that people can explore and this is what this is right for you like i'm hoping this will help you realize that there is another way different from the regular blueprint of (laughs) getting like getting your studies done finding a job buying a car Renting, moving, buying your first house, getting married, getting a dog, <laughs> upgrading the car, getting a kid, upgrading the house, like taking more in like more debt, more mortgages to get the bigger house because because whatever. And and work all the way into 65, 67, and 70, and and sort of like that is not the only path, right? This is what I'm trying to share here. And there are ways to do this in a better way. That's what I believe, and I believe everyone can make a little difference in their own personal situation. So that that's kind of the message <laughs> for for today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I, I will keep speaking about you know my personal journey. We will, will do probably one episode on yeah how I lived after I quit, like what's happened since. We could do an episode on the actual numbers. Uh, I've mentioned the 4% rule of thumb here, but we will probably dig into that a bit more in the future episode. Also how it applies to me. I'm not going to share my personal numbers. All of that is private. But certainly what you need to know from this story here, from the number perspective probably, is that I've been able to earn well, right? Being abroad, expats, over-delivering, being promoted, and and getting raises on a regular basis while keeping a good control of my expenses and focusing on what matters the simple things in life don't cost much money and like figuring this out being being able to do things differently right so selling my car and becoming someone that gets to work carpooling or with public transport was a strange thing in with my peers everybody had their consultant cars right but it was such a massive yeah difference <laughs> uh, everybody had their nice little apartments and we were co you know sharing a house with friends and we were super happy doing that differently because it brought us so much value not so not only from a social perspective but also because you're working on something so much bigger you no? and buying security and freedom And so these are some of the aspects that really played a big role and yeah we'll also talk about we we'll also do an episode of what are the key reasons that i got to financial independence at 33 and how you can also use some of that in your own life right so these are all the ideas of the episode we'll see if they come in that order or not at all we'll see <laughs> it's all very flexible here uh, but again i hope you've enjoyed and if you have uh please give me a you know a review somewhere uh, whether it's a podcast or a thumbs up uh, on, on youtube uh, subscribe share with your friends i mean you know i um, I'm here to share, I think an important message and like if you share it with someone you love and they get some of it, they'll thank you for it later for sure. Uh, So that's, you know, it could be a nice gift for someone uh, if they take the time to listen or watch. (laughs) Anyway, take care and uh, see you soon, cheers.